Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you had a most wonderful weekend. Um, And I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. Um, You know, I I want to to tell you that uh, there's an organization called CORAC, C-O-R-A-C, and I don't have in front of me what it stands for. It was begun by Charlie Johnson. And um, I was asked to speak at it, which uh, I was at on Saturday, with uh, I don't know how many people here in the Tyler, uh, Texas area. Um, I had received all kinds of reports, negative, about Charlie Johnston and the CORAC organization. And I checked it out and saw no reason why I shouldn't go. Um, And I went with the approval of our good Bishop Strickland. And I want to tell you, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. You know... um, Our Lady said, Our Lady of Fatima said to Lucia that the final battle, uh, the final attack of Satan will be against marriage and the family. And that's all that that's about. All Charlie Johnson wants to do is to uphold, he's a convert to the Catholic faith, he's thoroughly orthodox, and all he wants to do is uphold the Catholic faith, help uh, us to live it, and help us, especially in this day, to come together in community and help one another. Um, it was a magnificent day of everyone giving demonstrations on on how to preserve your health, how to preserve your food, how to cook from all the plants around you, uh, get medicinal value from them. I don't have the agenda with me. Um, how to do everything to survive in this world. Uh, if for the day we have no electricity and no internet and no phone and no water and no whatever, um, how to do everything to survive, which is how people used to live way, way, way back before electricity, before all these conveniences that we have. Um, it kind of back to a primitive living, which is a gorgeous, beautiful living, and it brings the family together. It brings the family together. Um, uh, I hope they don't mind, but I'm going to point out a particular family without giving you their name. They just moved into a, a new location where they have two little boys and a little girl, and the boy's very young. Um, you know, one's a toddler, the other's a little older, and they, for the first time, they were able to work the land and move wood and move wheel carts and all of that and they loved it and they were able to sleep it was so beautiful i hope they don't mind if they hear this by telling you that but you see god has made us for this to stay together on the land to farm the land to work the land to be healthy to keep the family together and to homeschool teach the faith at home is that an absolute must it is not it is god's design but it's not a must There are some very good Catholic institutions, but they are few, and you cannot simply trust because they're Catholic, because they have the name Catholic. 
And so if you're sending your child to any institution from kindergarten through to college, you need to know what the curriculum is, what they're teaching. If they have sex education, get them out. If they mention the word that anybody can choose their gender, get them out of the school. And you say, yeah, but that's just one class. No, get them out. It's the thinking, the ideology of those who teach to allow such evil, such distortion of God's plan into the schools. So get them out. Live as a family. Get some land. Learn how to farm. There's so many organizations that can teach you these things. Look up homesteading. You'll find them all over the place. Good people. And there's no family I've met who's learned how to raise chickens, who's learned how to homestead, who's learned how to plant a garden, who's learned all the benefits of creation that God has given us, that you don't have to buy aspirin anymore. You don't have to buy medication anymore. God has given us all. There's no family who does that that would not be ecstatic to teach you. So don't worry about it. But you need to begin now to do that. Okay. Today, we will go back to the Catechism Explained, and we are on Section 3, the Preaching of the Gospel. And just to review the first two points, number one, the truths revealed by God to men were, by God's command, proclaimed to all nations of the earth by the Catholic Church, and especially by means of the living word, that is, by preaching. The command to proclaim to all nations of the earth the truths revealed by God was given to the apostles by our Lord at the time of his ascension. Before ascending into heaven, he said to his apostles straight from Matthew 28, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth, going therefore, not if you go, but going. He's assumed, he's assuming we're going to spread the gospel. What do we have, dear ones, that we haven't received? How could we receive the gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ? Only one way to God, and that's through Christ. There's no other way. How could we receive that and not pass it on? Father Stan Fortuna, with Father Groeschel's order years ago, said, if we keep it to ourselves, we're thieves. Nothing that we've received is to be kept. It's to be lived and passed on. Um, therefore, baptizing, okay, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth, going, therefore, as you go, while you're going, not if. Teach all, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not the names, are plural. Name, singular, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the end of the world, end quote, from Matthew. For this reason, the apostles and their successors have never allowed themselves to be prohibited by any earthly authority from preaching the gospel. Nor has the church ever been turned aside from fulfilling her mission of preaching the gospel by the opposition of the world. Remember when, when Peter was... Um, denied the preaching of the gospel? He says, you tell me whether I should obey God or men. We need to do that today. Bishops, if the government forbids you to do something, you need to say with Peter, I will obey God, not man. I will obey you 
as my local government authority only to the point that you don't obey God. And at that point, um, I obey God, not you. Um, Even now, in many countries, the state seeks to make the church dependent on her. It is in consequence of the command given by our Lord to the apostles that the popes send missionaries to the heathens and issue papal beliefs and rescripts to Christendom, that bishops send priests throughout their diocese and publish pastoral letters, that parish priests instruct their people by sermons and catechism, While the Catholic Church spreads the word of God by means of preaching, Muslims spread their beliefs with fire and sword, and Protestants by means of the Bible. And beloved, there's nothing wrong spreading the word of God by means of the Bible, but the Protestant Bible is missing seven plus plus parts of Esther and Daniel, and um, it's missing uh, more than seven books, which Martin Luther... um, took out single-handedly in the 16th century. After 1,500 years, he decided what should be the canon. So Protestants are not missing only seven-plus books. They're missing the magisterium, the teaching office of the church. As Paul wrote, cling to the traditions, capital T, not the traditions of men, but through the traditions which God has given and we ha- which he handed on to them, Second Thessalonians 2.15, either by word of mouth or by letter. The same Holy Spirit that keeps the Bible, the infallible, infallible Bible, still infallible but truncated in the Protestant world, um, um, is the same Holy Spirit that keeps oral tradition, not the tradition of men. It is an error to suppose that Holy Scripture is the only means intended by Almighty God to communicate to the nations of the earth the truth of revelation. Um, and I'm going to add to that, uh, no one could read and write when the, when the canon was composed in the 4th and 5th centuries. Not the average population. We didn't have the printing press. 5% of the world's population was illiterate until the 15th century. And nothing could be spread before the 16th century when we had the, um, the printing press, which is why Protestantism spreads Protestantism to protest the church Christ founded on earth. Protestantism is what it is. Protestants today, like myself years ago, were brought into Christianity. And they weren't protesting anything. They came to believe in God. But they're the fruit of the Protestantism of the the 16th century. And it was also coincided with the advent of the printing press, which is how it was able to advance so quickly. There's the music, beloved, for our first break. We will take your calls, your emails, your texts at the second break. Um, and uh, the toll-free number, if you wish to call it ahead, is one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. The Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. We'll see you then. May God love you. Praise be to Jesus. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. In 1959, the United Nations issued the Declaration on the Rights of the Child. This document states, quote, The child, by reason of his physical and mental immaturity, needs special safeguards and care, including appropriate legal protection before as well as after birth, end quote. To us in the pro-life movement, it's clear that abortion is not consistent with such a statement. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we're going to take your calls, your texts, your emails after the next break. We'll have a whole half hour to ourselves. If you wish to call in ahead of time, you certainly may. Uh, call or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and you'll be online when we begin. You'll be the first one online when we begin to take your calls. And the toll-free number uh, it just gave you, but the uh, email number I got confused. The email address is mother at thestationofthecross.com We're going to continue on uh, the revelation of the gospel. It was the will of God to make use of preaching for the conversion of the world. Our Lord said to his apostles, go and teach all nations, not go and write to all nations. Out of the apostles, only two wrote. All the rest preached. The apostles, St. Augustine said, the apostles themselves were the books of the faithful. St. Paul tells us that faith cometh by hearing, Romans chapter 10, not from mere books. Teaching by word of mouth corresponds to human needs. Everyone prefers to be taught rather than have to hunt out the truth from books by study. If writings were the only means by which men could arrive at a knowledge of revealed truth, the Christians of the first two centuries would have been at a terrible disadvantage. 
so too would those who cannot read, as well as the great mass of mankind in the present day who have neither the knowledge nor the capacity to penetrate the meaning of the written word. Yet it is the will of God that all men should come to a knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Holy Scripture soon loses its value in the eyes of those who have not the assurance of the living word that it is truly of divine origin. St. Augustine says, I should not believe the gospel unless the authority of the church moved me to do so. A truth which the church puts before us as revealed by God is called a truth of faith or a dogma. Either a universal council, that is one consisting of the bishops of the whole world, acting under the authority of the Pope, or the Pope himself has the power to declare a truth to be revealed by God. Thus, the Council of Nicaea declared the divinity of our Lord to be an article of faith, and Pope Pius IX declared the Immaculate Conception of the Holy Mother of God in 1854. Thereby, no new doctrines were taught. Well, this is the Catechism of Trent, promulgated in the 16th century following the Reformation, which was a doctrinal council. And the Assumption of the Lady has since been proclaimed as infallible in 1950 uh, by Pope Pius XII. So there is another um, infallible revelation but to, it's not a revelation. It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. I said this last time. The, uh, uh, the doctrine ceased with the last apostle. But the development and understanding of that doctrine is going to continue till the end of time. Mary was worshipped in the first century. She was believed, always believed to be immaculate, and believed that she assumed into heaven. When a doctrine is declared infallible, a dogma, infallible by the Pope himself, speaking ex cathedra or ex cathedra, sometimes it's pronounced, or by the union of all the bishops of the world together with the Pope, um, it is not a new doctrine, but maybe something's come up challenging it or questioning it. Uh, Protestantism has questioned the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. And so that was declared an infallible dogment of the Church. It's not up for opinion. It's not up for grabs. She was immaculately conceived in her mother's womb, and that differentiates between the Immaculate Conception, which has to do with Mary being conceived in her mother's womb, versus the virgin birth, which has to do with our Lord's birth from the Virgin Mary. Um, When a child advances in its knowledge of religious truth, it does not really change its belief. And so the church, the collected body of all the faithful, receives dogmas, solid teachings of the faith, new to it when... On the appearance of some new form of error, it sets forth, after careful examination, certain truths of religion in explicit form and imposes their acceptance on all the faithful. Before the definition of it by the church, it was only a pious opinion or one proximate to faith. Such is, at the present time, the belief in the assumption of the body of Our Lady into heaven. It was a pious opinion at the time the Council of Trent was written. But now um, it is an absolute 
definition by the church. Second point, the Catholic Church derives from Holy Scripture and from tradition, the truths that God has revealed. Holy Scripture and tradition, capital T, not the tradition of men, but the tradition of God, as Jesus said, not everything could be written down. And yet he taught the apostles, and not everything he taught them was written down. The books of the world, Scripture says, could not contain them. Holy Scripture and tradition are of equal authority and claim from us equal respect. Holy Scripture is the written, tradition the unwritten word of God. But both of them, beloved, are the infallible, authoritative word of God. St. Paul exhorts the faithful to hold fast the traditions they have received, whether it be by word of mouth or by writing. Now we enter a new section, Holy Scripture and Tradition, to explain it further. First point, Holy Scripture or the Bible consists of 72 books, not 66, beloved, 72 which were written by men inspired by God. It's actually 73, but one of the Old Testament was split into two. Which were written by men inspired by God and under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit. These 72 books are recognized by the church as the word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired in a very special way the writers of Holy Scripture. He moved them to write and guided and enlightened them while they were writing. So while Timothy was writing, while Paul was writing to Timothy, while Matthew was writing, while the gospel writers were writing, it was in another language, another description, that the Holy Spirit superintended them. So they wrote the infallible word of God, but not overriding their personalities. So you can almost tell what St. Paul wrote versus what the evangelist John wrote. The Council of Trent and the Vatican Council have expressly declared that God is the author of Holy Scripture. St. Augustine says, it is as if the Gospels were written down with Christ's own hand. You know, I would almost say if, if, you, if you have a glove, I've heard this illustration, if the glove's on a table, it's completely powerless. doesn't mean anything. But put your hand in that glove, and it's alive. The hand moves, and it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is the internal and external glove and insides of the apostles who wrote. It didn't bypass their personality, but he inspired... Another word for inspired is God breathed. He breathed into them the word of God, which they wrote. The writers of Holy Scripture, says St. Lawrence Justinian, were like a musical instrument on which the Holy Spirit played. Yet they were not mere passive instruments. Each writer brings his own personal character with him into what he writes. They are a number of painters who all paint a building which they see in the clear daylight quite correctly, but yet with a great many points of difference according to their respect of talent and skill. Hence it follows that there are no errors in Scripture. We must not look to the individual words, but to the general sense. We must not take offense at popular expressions which are not scientifically correct. 
We look in the morning, we say, what a beautiful sunrise. We do that, don't we? In the evening, what a beautiful sunset. But the sun doesn't rise and set. The earth revolves. So that's what he's saying. Don't take everything scientifically. As when the, oh, it just says it right here. Look at that. We must not take offense at popular expressions which are not scientifically correct, as when the motion of the sun, sunrise, and sunset are alluded to. I was just affirmed. That's very nice. Moreover, since the Bible contains the word of God, we must treat it with great reverence. Thus, the people always stand up when the gospel is being read at Mass. Oaths are taken on the book of the Gospels. In Mass, the deacon approaches the book of the Gospels with with incense and lights. The Council of Trent imposes special penalties on those who mock at Holy Scripture. The Jews, the Jewish people had the greatest reverence for the Scriptures and the precepts therein contained. The 72 books of Holy Scripture are divided into 45 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New. They are moreover divided into doctrinal, historical, and prophetical books. In the Old Testament, the historical books comprise, first, the five books, the five books of Moses, which contain the early history of man, the lives of the patriarchs, and the history of the Jewish people up to the time of their entrance into the Holy Land. Secondly, are the books of Joshua and Judges, which relate their conquest of Palestine and their struggles with the surrounding nations. Thirdly, the four books of Kings, which recount their history under their kings. And you see, this is back in the 16th century. The four books of Kings have since been subdivided into First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel. Fourthly, the books of Tobias, which gives an account, the book of Tobias, which gives an account of the life of Tobias and his son during the captivity. I read from Tobias last week, Father's If you want to know how to raise godly men, read Tobias and read it with your son. If you're Protestant, you don't have it. You're missing out. Get a Catholic Bible. Number five, the books of the Maccabees, which relate the oppression of the Jews under Antiochus, etc. And if you're Protestant, you don't have the book of the Maccabees. You're missing a treasure. First and second Maccabees, you're missing an absolute treasure. The doctrinal books comprise the story of Job, the Psalms of David, the Proverbs of Solomon, and the books of Ecclesiastes, Wisdom, and Ecclesiasticus. The prophetical books comprise the four greater prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and the twelve lesser prophets, Jonah, Habakkuk, etc., There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll begin the outline of the New Testament tomorrow. Um, Get the catechism explained. You could have it all there. And Papa, you need to go through that catechism with your family, wife and children together, slowly. Let them ask questions. You don't need to be a scholar. It's all here. And also begin to read the Bible with your family. Um, Start with the gospel um, and read it right through and then go back to Genesis. We'll be right back after the break. Beloved, call in with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483. 
always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 7th. Today we celebrate Saint Didicus. How many of us could be accused of being so generous with the poor that friends express concern about the depth of our charity? Most of us would probably be found innocent of such a charge if it were ever leveled against us, but today's saint didn't get off so easily. Didicus, or Diego, was born in Spain in 1400 and spent some time living as a hermit. After becoming a Franciscan brother, he developed a reputation for his heroic penances and legendary generosity toward the poor. He volunteered for the missions in the Canary Islands and worked there with great energy and success. In 1450, Didicus was sent to Rome to attend the canonization of St. Bernardine of Siena, a fellow Franciscan. Many of the friars attending the event became sick, and Didicus stayed for several months to nurse them back to health. Returning to Spain, Didicus pursued a life of contemplation full-time before his death in 1463. At his canonization in 1588, Didicus was praised for the holiness of his life and for his example. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. I am here. I'm thrilled to be with you. And this is our half hour together. And the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It uh, doesn't have to be our subject. Toll free, call in or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a call uh, from Stockton, California, calling in anonymously. Hello. Yes, good morning, Mother. Good morning, dear. Um, I actually have, um, I'm a single mother, a um, single woman, and I homeschool my kids. And um, uh, four of them stay home with me, and three of them are adults. So um, my question is, uh, as soon as one of my daughters turned uh, 18, she's working at a fast food right now, and um, she goes to church on Sundays, but she does work Saturday, Sundays, even though she asked them not to give her Saturday, Sunday. And um, so uh, is that okay for her? And um, then the other two questions I have is... Well, let, me, let me just answer this one first, sweetheart. Um, she's 18, and she works on Sunday, but does go to church? 
Yes, she works a graveyard, so she stays awake to go to church in the morning, and um, then she goes to sleep. Uh, that that was the only work available, and I had told her not to go to college just because, you know, with all the vaccine requirements, um, I um, I told her pray and uh, seek the kingdom, and uh, you know, let God lead you. And does she um, want to go to college? Uh, she hasn't expressed any desire to do so. Okay, because there are good colleges. I wouldn't stop her from going to college. There are many colleges and some very solid Catholic colleges. They don't require a vaccine. I would not be afraid of that or stop her at all. Um, what is What kind of work is she doing where she works graveyard? Uh, fast food. Fast food? And they're open all night? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she comes home and sleeps well, she comes home and goes to church and then sleeps for the day? Yes. Okay. Um, she's not in sin. She's going to church. Um, I would not want an 18-year-old working fast food all through the night. This is not the kind of world to have that sort of job in for a young lady. Uh, I would, I would, I mean, she, she's 18, she can make her own decisions, but... If she's living at home, you could say, honey, I don't want you having a job that's graveyards. It's more important than, it's not just a matter of Sunday. Um, it, it's not the day and age to have a job working all night. You're a young, lovely, young, single woman. And um, working in a fast food place through the night is not a good thing for you. I would, I would steer her away from that job. If she goes to church on Sunday and then must work, it, it's all right. It's not good. She shouldn't. But I don't know how desperate she is for money or you need her to have money. So I would say to her, that's, it's just, I know you're capable. You're probably a terrific worker. They're happy to have you. But uh, it's not a job for an 18-year-old to be working through the night. So see if you can find another shift or another job. Um, where hopefully you could be home on Sunday uh, and not work. Uh, as long as you go to church, that's good. Hopefully you could be home, but don't work through the night. I would not let her do that. If she's out of the house, even though she's over 18, if she's out of the house and on her own, you could still give her that advice, but the decision is hers. But if she lives at home, you can say, you, I, I, don't, I don't feel right you're living at home and working through the night. I don't think it's safe or good in our in our day. And I would tell her to quit that. She doesn't need the money right away, correct? No, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing with, uh, there's a lot of people who are vaccinated and there's, um, you know, shedding. And I, I um, she's got a condition, a medical condition. And so I thought there's very few people. And I thought, okay, since she got a night shift, there's hardly anybody there. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it with a young lady working all night. It's not even proper. Not even proper. A man should take that shift. It's not proper. Okay. I, I was, I'd find another job for her. Okay. I'd tell her to give them notice now and look for another job. I, what's her condition, or, or is it proper for you to say over the air? She's got a heart condition. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then you have to find a good position, a good position that will not, um, that will be easy on her heart condition, but 
not to work that shift overnight. Absolutely not. If she were working in a hospital overnight, they have graveyard shifts, and she would be more protected, and she could work as a nurse's aide or a greeter or, you know, something that she doesn't have to be necessarily go to school for. That would be a, a different environment. But I wouldn't have her fast food. Okay. And, uh, but as far as like the colleges and that, uh, there is like a loan and all that. Is that a good thing? I mean, no, I, I think if you, if she can, if she can work and go to college, um, uh, there are some city colleges. I don't know if you can go to them. Uh, you don't. You, you know, if you if you're a resident in the area, the first two years, um, you don't need to pay anything. I think. So you have to work that out. Uh, uh, go speak to some. If she wants to go, don't force her. But if she wants to go, call some good Catholic colleges and see what they suggest. They, they, some of them have scholarships. And some of them, I know someone in school right now, um, she was actually here on a visitor's visa with us, and she still is, and she's going to school, and um, they're allowing her to um, work just enough to pay for books and whatever else she needs. So there's ways to work that out. Okay, you have two other questions, I think. Uh, yes, and um, now my other daughter um, is... One of them's out of the home. Uh, she's cohabitating with a man, but how, she how old two, is she? Uh, the other one's about twenty-six, and the one that's um, cohabitating with a man is twenty-six. Yes, but uh, she was. Um, she has two children with him, but she, now she um, tied her tubes, and um, I tried to tell her not to do these things and stuff like that, but she quit talking to me, and I think a lot of it is um, the, the, the the domestic uh, abuse that was in the home. Uh, because in your home while she was growing up? Yes. Uh, it mm -hmm. wasn't direct abuse. It was just the, um, the dad was never present. Uh, you know, he was doing his own thing, and uh, finally I got annulled, but I think it affected. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, what I, I think in that case, if she won't talk with you, um, is that um, you just sit down one day, either before the tabernacle or just in a good prayer spot in your home without distractions, and write her a very good loving letter and say, sweetheart, um, you know that I love the Catholic Church and God and my faith, and I think I don't have to tell you that I'm deeply concerned for your eternity, because not only are you away from the Catholic Church, but you're living in very, very grave sin by having children with this man, not being married in the church, and now tying your tubes which is very, very grave. Use the word grave, not mortal. Um, and I, I, um, my heart aches because if you, for any reason, die in the state you're in, heaven, you will not see heaven, honey. You're, you're, you're chosen your path. You're free to do that. But you are on your way to hell. And... Um, 
and apologize to her. Say, I, I can't tell you how sorry I am for your dad not being present and for what you experienced growing up. I wish with all my heart we could go back and change that. I, I truly wish that. I blame you for nothing. But you're an adult and we do have choices to make. It's never too late for you to turn to God. It's never too late for you to go to confession and live for him and raise your children in the faith. It's never too late, sweetheart. And if God ever impresses it upon your heart to do that, I'll do anything in the world that I can to help you. But I don't even, you don't even have to contact me. You're on your own. Go to a good priest and tell him your situation. And yes, he'll hear your confession, restore you to the church and the sacraments. You can baptize your children. I don't know if your husband will go along with it or not, but through you, God could give him the grace also to come into the church. Uh, who, my ex? No, her, her, the man she's living with. Oh, yes. This is your letter to your daughter, what I just said. Right, right. I tried that, but my other daughter told me, don't contact her. She will put a restraining order on you. and she's Well, not- you're not doing that. Don't, don't listen to your daughter or the daughter. You're the mother. You're the mother. Just write her a letter. I didn't say to contact her by phone or to show up. Just write a letter and put it in the mail. She puts it in the garbage. That's up to her. She's not going to ask for a restraining order against a letter. Okay. And what about your third one? uh, My third one also is an adult. She's 24 years old. And um, for a while, both my adult, you know, these two were courting uh, and stuff like that in the church, but then it didn't work out. And so she went with someone who was not in the church, and um, I think he was violent to her, um, you know, and she ended up, I took her to the hospital. She didn't tell me what was going on just because my situation um, was, uh, you know, as a single mother, and I still have minor children at home, so she kind of let me do my thing. And um, and what, what happened from that situation? What happened? She was in the hospital. She was beaten. She went to the hospital. What happened then? Or what is the situation now? I wasn't, I accompanied her to the hospital, but I wasn't allowed to know what. uh, Okay, fine. So what is, I I have to shorten our call a little bit, dear one. So So tell me the situation now with her. She doesn't go to church anymore and um, she doesn't pray, uh, you know, doesn't pray. uh, She's living on her own? No, she lives with me, but I cannot, um, I will tell her, you know, it's, it's, there's Sunday, but she doesn't, um, doesn't, uh, respond. And she says it's, it's not my business. And, uh, you know, now she's older and, um, and she's home and she's home. She works, but, uh, she works, um, at a hospital. Um, but you know, that's what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you're a 26-year-old. You've got to write that very long, wonderful, loving letter to. And your 24-year-old, if you're able to talk with her in the same way that you would write the letter to your older one, you need to do that. And if not, write a letter to her as well. If not, write a letter to her as well. And say, honey, um, the whole thing... I don't know that you could hear this from me. I don't know that you would listen. 
uh, you've told me other things are not my business, so I'm, I'm, I think what I want to say to you, I'm just going to write it down. So write her a letter the same way as the other one. Apologize for their upbringing. Apologize what they went through. Tell her how sorry you are for what she experienced with this man she was dating. Um, and tell her that you're here for her and you love her. And um, the only future is God. Uh, the only one who loves her more than any human being, including you, could ever love her is the one who died for her. And he will always be there when she wants to turn for him, from him. He is not like a human man. He loves her. He died for her. He rose from the dead to give her life. And there's no sin that is as great as his mercy. He longs to love her and forgive her. That's what you need to write to her. Okay? And treat your other children the same way. But write these older two that kind of a letter. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the about tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the about tab. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our last segment. We'll have about 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open, and you may still call in if you wish, toll-free 5483 and the email 
is mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Anthony from Florida on the line. Hi, Anthony. Good morning, Reverend Mother. How are you this morning? I'm really wonderful, Anthony. Thanks so much. Um, first, um, I love you and I love your show. And uh, real Thank quickly, you. I had a short bucket list. One of them was to meet you in person. And um, <laughs> that came to fruition uh, at the gala fair. I met you in the lobby. And, oh, uh, Anthony. Hi. God you, bless um, you. You asked me... Uh, just your memory you asked me uh where you're from the bronx or brooklyn i said no i'm from connecticut i just can't yes i think i remember that yes um anyway mother um i have a quick question for you a friend of mine her son died a short while ago from alcohol abuse mm. he left a 10 year old son that's her mm. grandchild. Mm. he lives with the mother's parents not far from here and now what um, about the mother? Let me just get that clear. The father died from the alcohol abuse. Is engaged, and I believe she lives out of the house. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's this poor kid, ten years old, nice kid. He's, he comes around once in a while. I give him a catechism, and I tell um, my friend, I said, y- "You need to be a little strong and protect this kid's soul because I don't. They're not. It's not happening at home." And he didn't even know what a first communion was. And I the grandparents he's baptized, living with, do, do, I'm interrupting you, do, do those grandparents profess any faith? Uh, not that I, not much that I know of, Mother. Okay, good. And so, how do you know this little boy? I, I, say again? How do you know this little boy? Uh, I know Sharon for 20 years, a friend of mine. That's her grandson. So you know, I see him once in a while. You know Sharon the grandmother for time. 20 years? Yes. And this is her grandson, but the grandmother and grandfather have just about no faith. Is that it? The other grandparents. Her, the mother's, her son died. Her, his, okay. his partner, okay. um, they had a baby Forget together, that. this boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um... Mm-hmm. So the, her, the mother of the child, the boy lives with them. Mm-hmm, okay. And I got a major concern, as I do for a lot of people, on this kid's soul. Again, he yep. didn't know what his first confessed communion was. All right. And I'm, I'm sharing, I'm telling her she has to be a little strong. She might be his only lifeline to be a good Catholic. And I believe her biggest fear is that if she intervenes too much, that they're going to cut her off the sand. That's that's where we're at. I just, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what how strong I should that's be with him awful. and how strong she should be with this, with the grandchild. That's it. Wow, uh, he responds well to you, Anthony. Yes. How far are you distance wise from him? Can you walk to minutes. one another's houses? No, about forty minutes, Mother. Sharon goes to see him about every other weekend. For forty minute drive. Yes. How would they feel? Just an idea. Uh, Ten years old is an incredible age. Um, And some philosophers believe that we will see the world for the rest of our life the way we see it when we're ten, about that. Some people think earlier, some people think about ten. The economic, yeah, the social, the economic, the uh, political... A 10-year-old may not be aware of all that, but he's nonetheless affected by it. And I'm wondering if without any threat to the those he's living with, 
if you could be a big brother to him, of course, you're, I don't know how far apart you are in age, but if they would accept, forget, don't mention God, just that you, you know, you've, you've known his mom, you have a, a heart for him, um, how, and he doesn't have other brothers, doesn't have other siblings, how about if you become his big brother, you've been looking for a little brother, someone to kind of mentor in life, would that be an option? Yes, uh, yes, mother. Because I, uh, that would save his life. Myself, I don't, I don't know how they'll consider that, but uh, I, I have, you know, I don't mind doing it, but I want to jeopardize Sharon and her seeing her grandson. So, no, no way, no way. Handle that. Yeah, if 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 they would allow you, don't say you'll take a picture. Don't say anything. Just arrange. I mean, a big brother would could even see him a few times a week, or minimum once a week. Um, and um, you could take him to the park, take him to the museum, take him to church, talk to him about God, uh, all of that, to just to be, so he has a godly role model. That he'll that's catch it from you. Whenever he's, whenever he's here once in a while, that, that's what I do with the mother. So, uh, How often I'll is once in a while? That. And let's just, let's just real quickly, if that doesn't work, how strong can Sharon be involved with this uh, boy? If she's concerned that they might cut her off, if she's probably too strong with him. What would be too strong, do you think? Well, she says, you know what, you, you need to start going to church with Nana, which which he does, goes to church. You, you really have to get your first communion. I, I mentioned that nicely. Who says that, Sharon? Who says that? Yes. Uh, both of us. Both of us say it. I don't, I don't understand. You're talking to the boy or to the other grandparents? To the boy. I never talk to the grandparents. To the boy. He's here, and I say, you know, you really need to make a first communion. It's very important. I gave him a catechism to read. I don't know if he's read it. And um, Well, you can't leave it at another. that because the burden can't be on him. There has to be a relationship with the grandparents he's living with. All right. And if that doesn't work out, can Sharon intervene and whether they like it or not? Well, That's it depends how you intervene. It depends how. Does she have a relationship with the grandparents he's living with? Sort of, yes. Well, if you can be a big brother to him, okay. don't put it on him. You need your first community this because what's he going to do about that? Um, if the grandparents he's living with are not going to uh, be open to that, um, Either you can become his big brother and they'll trust you and say to him, you know, they're, um, we're going to arrange, if it's everything's okay with you, to have his first communion. They don't have to do it. They don't have to believe it. They don't have to arrange it. You're taking it off their hands. And, okay, you know, no. you know we've, we've, we can do this. It'd be in two weeks. Others are being having the first communion. He can join them. Um, you know, you'd be welcome to come. How's that sound to you? Don't come yeah. against them build with them and the same thing okay, with his the same thing with Sharon if if just let her build a relationship with these people let them feel a measure of respect from you and from Sharon that you're not better than them you're not religious fanatics I'm t from their point of view um, but you care for their son and uh, he might you know even in their mind be a little off their hands if he has Sharon and or you 
to respect them and help gently for him to be grow to grow up in the faith. I don't know their response. Um, that's all right. But we they, can handle the response. That's a that's a good plan, Mother. I'll, I will do that. Be respective. Be be soft. Be respective. Don't say the boy needs this. Don't dictate to them what their son needs, their grandson needs. Don't dictate for them. Don't control. Don't take over. Let them feel your respect, your compassion, and your wanting to be of help. Okay. Good enough, All right. Thanks, Anthony. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. All right. You too. God bless all of you, dear ones, and God willing, we'll speak with you tomorrow.